tieflings and tabaxi, high elves and halflings, barbarians and bards. Welcome back to Raw School. Open up your player's handbook as we take another deep dive into the magical and mystical world of Dungeons and Dragons. Class is now in session. Joseph? Wait, me? What? Me? Yeah, you. 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 Did I fall asleep? Time to wake up. It's (laughs) time for class. And me knocking on my table has made Stella go crazy now. Hang on. (laughs) Can you hear her? (laughs) Stella! That's hilarious. Anyway. Can we just keep that in? Yep. It's all staying in. <laughs> it's all staying in. <laughs> Hello! Welcome back, Phil! Thank yes. you. Yes! Uh, so far, this episode is gold. I'm so glad to be a part of it. <laughs> yes, it's I... It's our best one yet, obviously. <laughs> I fell asleep, and I took a nap, and forgot to wake up to mm-hmm. record, so... Mm-hmm. But luckily, mm-hmm. I did eventually, ten minutes later... <laughs> yeah. Here come the yawns. Okay. (laughs) All right. There's this thing on the like TikToks, Instagram reels, where they show just like a picture of a dog and the song plays, I had a lot of things to do today, but instead I took a nap. (laughs) It was a very good nap. I took a nap. (laughs) And I just, I just want us all to like live by that principle. Right. That sounds great. Here we are. (laughs) That, that literally I'm not going to lie. That sums up every day of mine <laughs> since the pandemic started. <laughs> so anyway, Phil, Warlocks. Justice Phil, Warlocks. Yes. We're here to talk about Warlocks. Um, okay. So basic things about Warlocks. Let's throw them out there. What should we know? Like, what are the key things about Warlocks? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, right, is what what is a Warlock? Well, there's someone who gets magic from a patron. Mm. Right. So otherworldly mm-hmm. patron is going to be kind of key to your warlock. A sugar daddy. No matter sugar what. Mama. Exactly. Or a yeah. sugar entity. You know, some sugar. of them, some of them are, are beyond all recognition. This is true. Genderless. Gender. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So do you want to talk about who those are? Or do you want to go into the other parts of warlock first? How do you want to structure? I mean, I feel like we should start with the things that no matter who your patron is, yes. what do you get as a warlock? Right. Like, what are some of the cool things that you get? Yeah. Well, I would say number one, Eldritch Blast. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So you get access to the greatest cantrip. Number two, Eldritch Blast. Number two. It's it's that all the way down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're like one, two, three, and four, Eldritch Blast. (laughs) It's just one, two, three, and four are just the four different beams of Eldritch Blast that you get as you go through the levels. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) So I think. Super important. So, war- warlocks are um, uh, charisma-based spellcasters, and I think it's so important because they get access to um, essentially their subclass at first level. But warlocks actually sort of get 
a second subclass. They're really the only class that actually gets this like secondary thing on top of their subclass. Mm-hmm. So you you get your 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 you make your pact at first level. Um, that's where you get your magic from. But then at third level, you get a pact boon. Your 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 patrons just like I'm gonna give you a little something something. A little something, something. Little something. Um, you can get a weapon that like bamfs in and out of reality. You can get like a super enhanced version of a familiar. You can get an. You can basically get like the ritual caster feet. I mean, there's so many awesome options. And now with Tasha's, you can actually change that packed boon um, when you reach certain levels if you don't like the one that you have. Yeah, and importantly, like that's not just kind of in name only. There are actually two different lines of features you get for your patron and your packed boon. Mm-hmm. So like like you said, unlike other classes, there really is kind of two different tracks to mix and match here um, off of those kind of two parts of this class. Mm-hmm. A cool thing you pick up even earlier than the packed boon, at second level, you pick up your Eldritch Invocations. Yes. Mm. Now, I think that this justifies picking cl- the Warlock class along with the packed boon you get at third level because... If you're picking it just for the spell casting, Oof. it can be kind of aggravating. You don't get a ton of spell slots. Right. You don't get a ton of known spells. It's not a full caster. So I think Eldritch Invocations, along with the other kind of things you pick up um, with your pack boon, with your uh, w- from your patron, generally speaking, your spell list, that makes up for the fact that it isn't a... It isn't a very broad spellcaster, right? Right. Yeah. So I was trying to think about kind of mechanically, what is a warlock? Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, charisma-based spellcaster, but they're different from other quote-unquote half-caster classes, like a paladin, like an artificer, like a ranger, in that they have a totally different spell slot structure or system, right? Most of the generic caster classes have kind of a pyramid shape to their spell slots, Whereas as they get higher and higher levels and more powerful, they'll get access to higher level spell slots, but there'll always be a foundation of the lower level spell slots that they build off of. It's always in addition to or and. For warlocks, they have like floating spell slots, where for the first 10 levels, they only have two spell slots. And as you know, you increase in level as a warlock, that will get to higher spell levels, you know, bump it to second, third, fourth, fifth, um, but you won't get any more spell slots. The trade-off, of course, being they come back on a short rest. So mm-hmm. especially at lower levels, you'll be able to cast maybe even more spells than a wizard or a cleric if you guys are resting between long rests um, pretty often. Mm-hmm. Right. And importantly, uh, those spell slots, the, the magic you get from your packed magic, are completely separate from from those of any other class if you were to multi-class. So what that means is that if you were to take just one level of Warlock, those first level spell slots you get actually would just add on to any other spell slots that you would get from any other class. And they would still um, uh, replenish on a short rest, but you would just have them in addition to your other spell slots. Correct. And also, so Warlocks, because they have this like floating spell level, at some point in the mid game, when you're around level five or so, a little bit higher, um, your warlock spell slots are going to be, you know, level four, possibly level level three, level four. And at that point, if you want to do a low level magic cast of some kind, say the spell Fairy Fire, which is the first level spell, but does not improve if you, as you upcast it or cast it at a higher spell level, you're going to be leaving a lot of value on the table there. 
right? If right. you actually spend a fourth level spell slot to cast Fairy Fire, you've given up a huge, you know, power level as far as your spell ability and not got a whole lot in return. Mm. So as far as multiclassing, if you're a warlock to multiclass out of it, just to get some more first level, second level spell slots you can use for your warlock spells, your other class of spells, whatever it is. Um, I think it's a great way, as you said, it kind of separates them, but to get more diversity in your spell slots or just higher numbers to actually kind of lean into that caster side of this class, which is actually what I do in Joe's game, where I am a warlock, yeah, multiclassed into sorcerer. Yes. And it's primarily to get more of those precious, precious spell slots. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think just going back to Eldritch Invocations, um, so the way I think about these um, are you get two at second level and then you get more as you level up. And some of them have prerequisites. You got to be a certain level, have to have picked a certain packed boon. Um, but in, in general, like you keep stacking them on top of one another and can exchange them when you uh, get new ones. Right. Yes. And they're persistent. So like Mask of Many Faces just lets you cast the Sky Self an unlimited number of times. Forever. Unlimited. Forever. You don't need a spell slot. I think there's uh, a couple that give bumps to Eldritch Blast, which is like... Yeah. So the, yeah. <laughs> the number one invocation of all time, every warlock I'm pretty sure ever has had this, Agonizing Blast. Mm-hmm. It allows you to add your Charisma modifier, which of course is your spellcasting modifier, to the damage of your Eldritch Blast. That's what makes Eldritch Blast so much better than Firebolt or any other D10 cantrip, because you can actually add your Charisma modifier. Mm-hmm. As a warlock, with kind of one out-of-combat and in-combat ability all-in-one for Charisma, it's typically going to be pretty high, right? Warlocks aren't always needing to do, you know, many kind of pretty good stats. They can have one really good stat, and it does a lot of work for them. Right. My favorite invocation, um, so Umbra, who is a warlock, doesn't actually have Agonizing Blast. Instead, all of hers are focused more on combat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, two that work really well together, You, ha- if you are a Pact of the Blade uh, warlock, um, then uh, you have improved Pact Weapon, which makes your Pact Weapon a plus one, plus one weapon, and gives it some other features. Um, uh, and then at fifth level, Thirsting Blade, which allows you to to attack twice so umber is a rogue that can attack twice um and it's fucking awesome fishing for crits uh, and fishing for actually crits. i should yep. i should apologize to, to joe i play in that group and i had no idea umbra didn't have agonizing blast. yeah so fuck you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you know everything about yeah. joe's character okay. i'm just I'm, there, I'm so focused on the rp elements i don't even think she's about she's in game she's gonna be like Yonga, did you not know? I don't have agonizing blood. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm always ahead of you getting beat to shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> While oh, you're hiding behind things, yeah. he's in the thick of it. <laughs> oh, dear. So should we talk about some of these subclasses? Yes. Yeah, sure. Let's go. I, I like doing roundtables about first talking about our favorite ones. So... Yes. Uh, Phil, we'll start with you. What's your favorite? So my favorite, I think Joe is going to recognize this, obviously, is the Archfey. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the patron I have when I'm a warlock in his campaign. Uh, I love it because I-, I like moving warlock away from this idea of like evil entities or, you know, the lower planes, devils, that kind of stuff. I think warlock as a class can be anything, right? You don't have to have made a pact with some evil entity. It could just easily be a good entity that wants some kind of, you know, um, helper on your plane. Yeah. Archfey, of course, phase can be evil, but they're much 
more naturally viewed by you know players or dm whoever as oh they could be good or neutral you know not even aligned with that kind of thing um so the archfey itself you know all these classes will give you expanded spell lists where you can pick and choose additional spells as warlock spells um which is important because warlock class class spell list very limited uh the archfey itself also kind of feeds into that uh utility in combat helping protect you you may not be kind of the the toughest tank around um, at level one you can try to either charm or frighten people very near you at level six you can uh, poof out if you're damaged i actually have a clear uh, my warlock went to level five in this uh based on recent events and past events probably should have gone to level six there have been many times (laughs) that that warlock has fallen down in the thick of combat Mm, it would be yeah. helpful to get out of out of uh, uh, danger that way, but yeah. So this one's all kind of about charming that kind of stuff, um, kind of utility, possibly out of, possibly in combat. Yeah, A- Anna, I know that you probably know which one is my favorite, but I'm going to let you talk about it because you recently got this with your character. Thank you. <laughs> this is also my favorite, so I am honored that you would let me talk about it. Uh. I was talking to Phil before when you were napping and uh, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um, well, I was talking about how my ESO character was a paladin for six levels. And then with your encouragement that I could do this, we started a multi-class where I picked up the Hexblade. This combination is first of all, completely insane. Like it's such a powerful character. Yeah. And at first level to be picking up as many things as the Hexblade uh, uh, warlock picks up it's insane the hexblade's curse is incredible yeah okay. as long as you remember to use it yeah yes. <laughs> first things first i'm the realist, I'm the realist. but like right. <laughs> that that it should absolutely in combat find that big bad use hexblade's curse okay first of all in regular warlock fashion this ability comes back to you after a short rest incredible so clutch. why don't more abilities do that <laughs> second of all you pick you pick an enemy and then look at all the things that you get once you do this you gain a bonus to damage rolls against the, the curse target so the bonus equals your proficiency bonus which means me at level seven i have a plus three i automatically just get to add plus three to damage rolls mm-hmm. any attack i make is a critical hit on a 19 or a 20 yep I'm doubling the chances that I'm going to crit on this creature. And if the cursed target dies, I don't have to be the one to kill it. If it dies, I regain hit points equal to my warlock level plus my charisma mod. Yeah. Combine that then with Hex Warrior, which I also get at first level, where at the beginning of every long rest or at the end of every long rest before I start my day, I can pick a weapon and you know imbue it mystical powers whatever and then i get to use my charisma mod instead of my strength or my dex or whatever i'm going to for what i I would have usually used for that weapon Mm -hmm. and get to use my charisma mod not just for the attack but also for the damage yeah amazing yeah this is so powerful and you can see why anna as a multi-class paladin and and me as a multi-class rogue love this because uh, if you crit on a 19, suddenly you're doubling your chance for sneak attack, critting, and mm-hmm. uh, divine smite critting, yep. 
which is amazing. And to like dig into the the minutia of those ability score numbers, if you're a paladin who knows you want to do this multi-class, you can originally take a much lower strength score and be just fine for it. Same with a rogue yeah. and dex. I mean, rogue dex, you have a little bit more um, right. skill-based issues there. Rogues get so many you know, expertise uses. They can maybe afford to take a 14 index instead of a 16 or a 16 instead of an 18, which if you can put that into your charisma or constitution, mm-hmm. something else, uh, it just it even further increases the value this could drive if you're trying to kind of create a more powerful type character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, I think at 10th level, you get Armor of Hexes, mm-hmm. or it's either 10th or 14th, which basically it's like you just roll a d6, and like if it's a uh, is it if it's a one, two, or three, it just the attack like automatically misses. Or it could be if it's a four or five or six. Yeah, it's four, four or higher. Right, w- which is insane. It's like you literally just have a 50% yeah. chance to be like, nope, sorry, <laughs> attack didn't that, hit me. And that mm-hmm. includes like, even if it's a natural 20, right? Like, because it doesn't specify that yep. you can't use it against that. So incredible. misses. Yes. Yeah. And at the way that my mods are working out right now, when I use both the Hex Warrior and am fighting an enemy that has Hexblade's Curse, the minimum damage I can do on a hit, like the very basic is 10, just yeah. like without doing anything. And if I yep. roll the lowest on a 1d8... Yeah. I get, I still get ten damage, which is insane. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's an incredibly consistent build, and like I think we were talking kind of before the episode in general, charisma classes are kind of prone to this, where they can overlap in very powerful ways. Yeah. Um, also, of course, because charisma being an out of combat stat as well, like you can put uh, points into that and get value outside of combat, even uh, on top of these kind of amazing combinations for warlock uh, multi classes. Um, well, I'm so I'm going to talk about maybe a little different one that doesn't get as much attention. But this subclass is amazing if you're lacking a dedicated healer in your party, and that is the Celestial Warlock. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like we were talking, um, uh, how Phil mentioned, you know, you don't have to have like an evil or creepy patron. You could literally have a celestial being, yeah. like a unicorn that's a patron that's like, "Ooh, hello, I'm a unicorn," <laughs> um, who just like comes and like hangs out with your party and gives you cool power. Um, you get access to a bunch of healing spells, including Cure Wounds, um, Lesser Restoration, and Revivify, among others. Um, you start out with Light and Sacred Flame cantrips. Um, and then at first level, you get a number of dice equal to one plus your Warlock level. These are D6s that you can just expend as a bonus action to any creature you see within 60 feet and give them healing. Um, and that uh, pool replenishes on a long rest. Uh, you also later on get resistance to radiant damage at sixth level and can add, add your charisma modifier to spells that do radiant or fire damage. Um, uh, you gain temporary hit points at 10th level, equal your which are your warlock level plus your charisma modifier. So if you're, if you're level 20 with plus five charisma, you just give yourself 25 temporary hit points at the beginning of every short or long rest. And you can also give half that amount to, uh, uh, party members, um, uh, up to five creatures. You can see at the end of, uh, a long or short rest. So, and also just the final ability searing vengeance at 14th level with the first time, essentially that, that you're going to uh, go down in combat when you have to make a saving throw, you can just be like, no. And you can just stand up and be like, sucker and do a bunch of damage to like everyone within 30 feet of you. And you come back with half of your maximum HP, such a cool ability. Yeah. 
Uh, I also want to talk about The Great Old One, which I yes. simply am in yeah. love with, not because I've ever played it or really seen it played. Just It's a wonderful, I think, nod to Lovecraftian style uh, kind of horrors. Uh, so The Great Old One, obviously kind of named for that same kind of mythos. Uh, at level one, just you have telepathy. Anybody within 30 mm-hmm. feet don't need to share a language, right? So like unlike some other kinds of uh, messaging at lower levels, you can talk to anybody as long as they have a language, uh, which I think is just an insane kind of out of combat, you know, typically, but it's really useful utility kind of bonus you get for, for that uh, patron. At sixth level, you know, you're able to kind of deflect uh, attacks during combat. You can turn an enemy's attack into disadvantage if they hit you, and then you have a chance to hit them uh, next turn. At level 10, you can no longer have your mind read by telepathy. So um, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, resistance to psychic damage, which is hard to come by in this game. It does exist, but that's one of those damage uh, types that demons will throw in, like, in order to bypass, you know, a barbarian's rage, that kind of thing. So it does exist in kind of more deadly encounters, deadly creatures. And then the big one at level 14, you can actually create a thrall, like a almost zombie-like person or servant of your patron, which is just, I think, absolutely incredible. Uh, You can (laughs) basically, any enemy you find, NPC, whatever, you can just kind of more or less snap your fingers and they are now kind of servant to your uh, great old one patron. Yeah. That's so neat. I love that. Uh, There's a couple here. I always love subclasses that lend themselves to a really cool backstory without without even you having to do too much thought about it. And the two here that I think do a really great job of that is the Fathomless and then the Genie. Yes, I was going to talk about those. Yeah, And I'll let you talk about the Genie there, but I wanted to say about the Fathomless, I love the idea of you being in the middle of a combat and then being able to create just like a giant tentacle in some <laughs> other spot away from you yeah. that gets its own like melee attack. Yeah. Uh, the the visuals on that are incredible. And it's not, it's it, it may not be one that I would particularly pick because I don't think even at the higher levels you get something that particularly calls to me, but I love the like, narrative of being able to build a story around picking this subclass and then having those abilities to do in combat because anything that in the middle of combat is not just I cast a spell or I take a swipe with my sword is exciting to me and I think that it adds to combat so something like this is very cool yeah yeah um and I, I just love the the potential for the DM has to to be like, all right, you summon this like writhing, undulating tentacle, <laughs> <laughs> and like make all these sounds and stuff. Like, yeah, it, it would be a lot of fun, especially if like maybe you you weren't entirely sure like everything about your patron, and it was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, like what mm-hmm. what's going on here? Um, yeah. So the genie was one that was recently added. Um, you basically get a genie who like lives in a bottle or a ring (laughs) or an urn. Anything that Um, holds. Sure. Yeah. Anything that can hold a genie, um, a chest, something um, while you're touching it. So for example, if it's a ring or something um, you can like just choose to like magically enter the vessel. So like if you're in a situation where you guys are about to um, uh, like fall off a cliff or something, uh, you can just vanish and enter the vessel. Um, and I believe uh, either at 
Oh, at at 10th level, uh, you can choose up to five willing creatures to join you. So imagine if your whole far your whole party is falling off of a cliff and no one has feather fall and you're and no, or fly, you can just whoop turn the ring into your sanctuary and everyone can just go go inside. You fall down to the you know the ground and then if the ring is destroyed or whatever, you all just like pop out uh, unharmed, which I love. Um, uh, you can also do uh, a once per turn do damage equal to your proficiency bonus, um, uh, equal to different types of damage based on what kind of god you have or uh, patron you have, which is just like a neat little like flavor thing. And also, again, great if you're you know um, uh, trying to like make your character more powerful. But um, yeah, you just have like these really neat little things uh, that you can ask of your genie patron which is just such a fun neat idea to have imagine if your party is just like traveling along and you're like i'm gonna rub my lamp and summon my gin and like this <laughs> gin comes out and it's like oh mr aladdin sir um <laughs> yeah yeah i think any dm who doesn't role play the genie whatever form it takes whoever it is whatever as robin williams and aladdin <laughs> is just mm-hmm. missing out yeah mm-hmm. i mean let's, let's leaving things the on the reality. table you don't need to yep mm-hmm. um well, some other um, uh, some other ones we just didn't mention: um, uh, the fiends, uh, the undead, and the undying. Um, take a look at those if they sound um, interesting to you. But in general, I think, what are some some final thoughts we have uh, about warlocks? Yeah. So one big one, right, is when you pick a warlock, you are giving a lot of agency to the DM. Mm-hmm. Right, so like some other classes, kind of like druid, uh, paladin, warlocks have this implicit or I guess explicit warning that you may lose your powers if whatever entity gives them to you decides to revoke them. Right, you're not a wizard who has gained magic through your own study, not a sorcerer who has it built inside of you. This is given to you by some other entity that the DM will likely be playing. Mm-hmm. If you refuse to work with them or do what they want, you know, as a warlock, you can lose. All of this, all these cool stuff we're talking about, all these spell slots and abilities, invocations, it can all be gone in an instant. And for a player, like, you know, if you're level 15 and all of a sudden you have no more ability, you're just a, you know, a level you know, 50 hit point person. Yeah, that's rough. I, I've so I have seen it before, not in a game I've been a part of where hit points are counted as part of those powers. Because oh, when, you, when you gain oh, a level, no. you gain the hit points, right? If you lose a level in Warlock, you'd lose those hit points, theoretically. <gasps> oh, my God. So imagine being, yeah, whatever level, all of a sudden, you're a commoner again. Not, That's not even a level one fighter. You're just, you're nothing other than, like, a few hit points and, and cloth. Oh, wow. So That's rough. <laughs> not to warn anybody, but Warlocks, you know, it's a it's a shared experience the with print. the DM. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would just say I have been very much enjoying my time playing Warlock. I think it is a wonderful class to to multi-class with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with what it can do combined with what mostly other charisma-based characters can, or classes can do, it makes for a very, very powerful character. And uh, so far, it's been really fun playing <laughs> playing ESO with the, with these abilities. So it's yeah. a great one. So uh I would encourage our listeners to take a look. Yeah, absolutely. So customizable. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Warlock is all about flexibility and how creative can you be knowing that your spell casting is going to be a bit limited. Um, and it's also, again, as Anna, you just said, think about multi-classing. 
I do have, I guess, one final additional thought. Yeah. Um, I guess advice for GMs out there. So in a campaign I run with my brother and some of our friends, there is an NPC that, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, is essentially kind of a great old one in hiding. So this NPC um, exchanges magic items for for boons with the players. Uh, and one thing he has said to them is, hey, if you want some like more powerful help, that kind of stuff, just let me know. But it will take some commitment on your part. And I made clear to them, if you choose to use this guy for something powerful, something kind of game changing, that will mean that your next level up, you gain a class of Warlock instead of whatever <sighs> else you want. You can pick what you want within Warlock, but you're going to be his Warlock. Ooh. So even as DMs, you can like give players this option of, hey, do you want to hit this this fire alarm? The sprinklers will go off and put fire, but who knows what's coming next? So Warlock right. is also a great like DM tool to engage some other part of your players. Yeah, absolutely. I have never heard of a DM. Yep. They haven't taken it yet. Doing something like that. I'm pretty that sure at some point one of them very will. Very cool. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so class look at your warlocks boost that charisma up and yeah don't fall asleep sorry guys (laughs) class is dismissed